Hello everybody and welcome to Preparing the Way. We're doing a series right now called Nobody Ever Told Me That. And it's a series that's looking at some foundational truths that for many Christians, they go for years and years in their lives without knowing. For example, have you ever heard a testimony that goes a bit like this? I got saved 30 years ago. I got baptized in water 15 years ago. I got filled with the Holy Spirit just last year. And you say to someone who, with a testimony like that, why did it take 30 years for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And invariably the reply will be, because nobody ever told me. I have found that there are some basic scriptural truths that I think the devil wants to hide from God's people. And that's what this series is about. Scripture says this, for lack of knowledge, God's people perish. Knowledge. And I wouldn't have thought that. It means that there are key pieces of knowledge in the Bible that if I don't have them, my life can perish. That means to wither away. Welcome once again to Preparing the Way. Through this series, nobody ever told me that, we're going to look at healing, prosperity, deliverance, salvation, and keys for your life. So please stay with us. You can go to our website. The address is on the screen there. You can find many other teaching series there also. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's program. God bless you. In our homes. And I, I was saying, we, we have communion at home. Not every day we should, but a lot. I, I was saying to Chris, you know, I find it very difficult to have an argument with the person I've just had communion with. I just can't do it. And even if I didn't have communion, I, I, I would fear that, you know, I could run into an argument. Communion's a blessing to your family. And the devil hates it. He doesn't want it there. So have communion. Have communion with your children, with your wife at home. Amen? Amen. So it's a place of deliverance. It's a place of intimacy. And the biggest scripture of all, 1 Corinthians 11, that all the churches use, you know, I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you. And, and Paul, in fact, let's, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 11. One Corinthians chapter 11. The church kind of gets stuck in these few verses. Chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And on and on he goes. In verse 27, it says this. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats and drinks. For if anyone drinks without recognizing the, the, the body of the Lord, he eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that is why many among you are sick and a number of you have fallen asleep, it says in NIV. It means died. But if we judged ourselves, he goes on to say, this wouldn't happen. I've heard a thousand communion messages on that. I'm sure you have too, where people talk about discerning the body, right? And it's Sunday morning, communion's just to be, about to be distributed, and the pastor will say, we've got to discern the body. Because that's what Paul says. We shouldn't take communion without discerning the body. And people often, and it's a fair interpretation, they say, what that means is this. You've got to look around the church and ask yourself, have I got anything against anybody? The body and forgive them. You've got to look at yourself. I say, I better not take communion. There's something wrong in my attitude myself. And that's fine. I think that's a, a, a perfectly you know, good interpretation. But I once heard a Jew 
talking about that line. And he thought we'd missed it completely. And this is what he said. Paul didn't mean that. He said what Paul meant was this. Discerning the body means that you discern what the body did. What Jesus Christ's body crucified did. Discerning the blood means you understand what the blood did. You see, the broken body of Christ doesn't take away your sin. It's the blood of Christ that takes away our sin. Amen? What does the body do? By His stripes... We are healed. So there are people sick, people, you know, getting ill in all manner of ways. And he said, Paul is trying to tell us that if you don't know what the body does and you don't know what the blood does, I'm not surprised you're sick. I'm not surprised you're not well. Because once we understand that he was, his body was pierced for us, that he did bear the stripes for us, you can start to put faith in that and believe in that. And I thought, again, that's a, a good interpretation. Intimacy can be missing from our lives with God because we haven't respected communion. We've trivialized it. Deliverance can be missing, a nagging problem in your life for years. But if we took communion home with us, things can change. Healing, healing in in all manner of ways, mentally, spiritually, physically, through communion. And fourthly, and this is a controversial one, prosperity. If you mention the word communion and prosperity in the same sentence, some people will punch you in the mouth, you know, because they get really annoyed. That, once again, that's because of a lack of understanding. Because what is this? This is a covenant meal. All the covenants that God made, He left. Turn to Genesis a moment. Look at this. Genesis chapter 9, verse 15. When God made covenants, He leaves a reminder to Himself of the covenant that he has made. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 15. I'll start at verse 12. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between you and me and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring the clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in in the clouds, Look at verse 15. I will remember, right? So do you understand? Many people over the years have said to me, oh, look, there's a rainbow. And the rainbow's there to remind us of God's promise not to flood the earth in the way that he did. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. The rainbow is there to remind God, not to remind you. There's a subtle difference. And you see, once again, I heard a Jew once talk about this very point. And he said in, in Luke's gospel, chapter, uh, verse 19, Uh, Chapter 22, verse 19, Jesus said this, Do this in remembrance of me. And the guy said, that's not actually a proper interpretation. What it actually should be is do this as a reminder unto me of the covenant. Do you know that the sin, you know Genesis, you know those few verses, we looked at them extensively, where God said the thoughts and the hearts of men were only wicked all the time. I will wipe God, uh, man from the face of the earth, right? Remember those sad lines? And then to restrain his anger, what does God do? He puts a rainbow in the sky. And God says to himself, do you know what? <laughs> I'll do it again if I don't restrain myself. And he puts a covenant reminder in the sky so that when he sees that, it's almost like you know, an oath within himself. And I think it's the same with communion. That when God looks at the world today, that he holds himself back 
And this is one of the things, the communion table, is one of the things that when he sees it in you, do you know sometimes I can be very wicked? Sometimes I can be a bad boy. Don't look at me like that, so can you. <laughs> True? And sometimes I really need to cry out for the mercy of my God. How do I do that then? And when he sees these emblems, the bread and the wine, I will remember, lest I strike you dead. Paul says some people are sick, some people have died, because they disrespected the body. They stopped remembering to come back to this table. We need to take these things very, very, very seriously. God has made a covenant with us, a covenant in blood, His own blood. The Jews have a, have a great deal to teach us on this subject. There's a group called the Messianic Jews. That's a, a, a Jew who gets saved, who recognized the Messiah was Christ. They're called Messianic Jews. And they, we can look at their traditions and learn a lot from them. These traditions differ from group to group. But I believe it's the group in London who use, we, we used to call this a twist. I used to work for a, a kosher baker, a Jewish baker, and I delivered thousands of these things. It's made up of five separate braids of dough. And they are interwoven together to form those lumps. Every Friday night, the Messianic Jews, the father gathers his family. He brings out the twist. And what he did, the reason it's got the lumps is because on the Sabbath, they're not allowed to use a knife. That would be work. So they pull, you see. So every Friday, he gathers his family and it's covered in poppy seeds. That's, it has to be covered in poppy seeds. It's right there in your Bible in Leviticus where it had to have poppy seeds upon it so that when they crunched it, they would remember the sand in the 40 years they spent in the wilderness. God wanted them as they ate their prosperity. They're not hungry anymore. I'm blessing you now. Don't forget that you spent 40 years. Want. Don't forget my mercy. And when you eat the prosperity, the, what I've given you, remember me. Don't take it for granted. That's every Friday night. But once a year, it's Passover. And Passover is very special. Passover is very different. And on Passover, the father gets three matzah crackers. These things, I tell you, we used to live in an area with a lot of Jews in it in, in, in Dublin. These things sell out. Ah. Oh, you could never get them coming up to Passover. And I, that's, I, I'm delighted about that. Praise God. People have not forgotten the Lord. Look at this. This is a prescription. This was, is, is in Leviticus, the way this is to be made. It is to be, you can't see it because of the lights, but is, it is to be flat for a start. There's no yeast allowed within it because leaven represents sin. And Jesus had no sin. It was to be pierced. It's actually full of holes. Who was pierced? Jesus was pierced. It had no yeast. It was to be pierced. And it was to be striped because he was striped. Can you, do you see the picture? You've got an old covenant Jew with a prescription for his bread making for Passover. That is a foreshadow of one without sin whose body, bread, would be pierced and who would be striped. 
But the, God helped the Jews. The poor Jew couldn't see. He couldn't see. He's carrying his matzah year on year and he can't see because it's God's grace and mercy that helps you to see, right? He's opened your eyes. Even though it's in their hand, they can't see the picture, the prophetic picture of Christ in their own communion. So in Passover, the father gathers his family. He gets three mats of bread. He extracts the middle one, father, son, and Holy Ghost. The father extracts the middle matzah. He brings it out. He lifts it up before his family and he breaks it because the son was broken. And then he takes the, this part of the bread, goes to his family, and he takes the remainder. This piece is called the afakoman. And the father takes the afakoman and he wraps it in a white linen cloth and he hides it in his house. Why does he do that? He does that because it's another year till Passover. And that's there in case of emergencies. That's there, what if I get sick? What if I run into financial difficulties? What if something goes wrong in the coming year? All the bread will be gone. Do you see the remembrance, how important it is? So the Messianic Jew, he takes his bread, the Afakoman, he hides it in his house for his family. And then anything that goes wrong in that year, he goes and he gets the Afakoman and he brings his covenant reminder to the Lord God Almighty. He says, Father, remember me. Lord, remember me. Lord, remember your covenant. Remember you promised mercy to us, grace to us. The Jews understand that piece. I often think we don't. They know what it means to have a secret place. A secret place. Every Christian needs that. You need to be able to find God. Amen? You need to be able to get in contact with God for yourself. That's what the Afakoman is all about. It gives you good confidence in life when you know that you can call on Him. I was in a church once and I was working full-time as an evangelist for that place. I had no money. I was utterly broke. And I was starting at schools on the Monday. This was a Saturday, I believe, or a Friday. And Monday I was starting a whole series of school assemblies for, for a long time. Every morning in a different school, the whole school would come in and you'd get like 10 minutes just to present a short gospel message. But I had no proper clothes. You had to be smart but casual. And I, I, my clothes were a mess, awful. And I felt bad about it. So bad, I thought to myself, I'm going to go to the secret place. I can't go into this school like this. It'll misrepresent God. I know people don't care, but you know what I mean. I didn't want to go in looking shabby because people judge you, even though I don't care. Some people would judge God over that sort of stuff. So I went into the bedroom in the bungalow I was, I was living in. I got down on my knees and I said, God, I want to come into that place. I need help now, like my Afakoman. I need a jumper. That's what I said. I need a jumper that's smart and casual, and I need it for Monday to start the schools. Okay? Up I get. Out I go. About an hour goes by, and there's an elderly lady in that village, a Christian in our church. 
She rang me up. She said, something strange just happened to me. I just had a word from God to come and pick you up. I'm to take you to the village. I'm to buy you a jumper. No, don't say no. I'm to buy you a jumper because you need it. And I said, no, no, don't, don't. Because she was an old woman. I didn't want her spending money on me, you know. But she came and she bought me that jumper. Hallelujah. That's a secret place. And the Jews have this established in their culture from year to year, always a place where you can go to God. Now, please, do you understand how important communion is? Do you see the meaning of it? It's a place of intimacy that God established. It was the first thing. Repent, Jesus says, and do the first thing I told you to do. Come on. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place where demons flee from. They hate communion, right? It's a place of healing. It's a place of prosperity where you can go for that, and it's a place of strength. Now, I thank God. I, I grew up with a godly father. I've told you about him many times. My father was a Roman Catholic, and every morning he was a great guy. He really and truly was. For 10 years or so, he was first up, and I was second. And we would sit on our own downstairs as he was preparing just to go to Mass every single day. Now, this is why you've got to be careful about judging another man's faith. Now, listen to me, friends. I don't believe in transubstantiation. I, I, I don't. That doesn't mean I mock it. That doesn't mean I make fun of it. You mustn't make fun of anybody, anywhere, who's trying to get to God. And if a Jew covers his head, do you know that Adam, as soon as Adam sinned, do you know what he did? He tried to cover himself up. Because sin became very aware to him. Get me, quick, quick. And that's a sad sight. You know the Muslims, they wash all the time. What did we say about baptism? The first thing you do when you realize there's, there, there's dirt on you, you want to wash. Don't mock a Muslim for what they do. They're trying to find God. They know there's something wrong. The thing is, you've only, there's, there's only one way to be saved. And that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. Only one way. But my dad found a place of immense strength. When I got saved, I had a question. The question was this. Here am I, a raving Pentecostal, tongue-talking, Bible-believing, blah, blah, blah. Pentecostal, right? And there's my dad, who's a quiet Catholic. And I get to know all these Pentecostals, right? And my father is a thousand times more sanctified than any of them. How did you do that? <laughs> How did you do that, Dad? What's your secret? How did you manage to find that place? What was the route? What was the journey? He was a very simple man, but I believe my dad found one key, one key, and it was his daily communion. He would go to church every morning. And I'm all tied up with theology. I'm all messed up because, you know, Catholic versus Protestant, all this stuff. Do you know one day my brother's a priest, a Catholic priest? And one day he came to our house to celebrate communion. And there was my dad, there was my mum, there was my sister who's got schizophrenia, and there was myself. And I'm sitting there, raving Pentecostal, quiet, you know. And my brother, the priest, he starts to set up the communion on the table. He lights the candle, and off they go. And do you know, at a certain moment, that room so filled with the presence of God. At the same moment, all of us 
just instinctively bowed our heads and wept. We cried. And we didn't do that sort of thing as a family. And I came out of that sort of confused. I know God. I came out of that time with my family confused. I said, God, but I don't believe in transubstantiation. In fact, I don't think you do. And you know what God was, what I came out of it with? God was saying to me, I don't care about the theology. I'm trying to get to the people. I love the people. I'm after their hearts. They're trying to find me. I'm trying to get to them. Don't get all tied up with all that stuff. And it opened my eyes and gave me an understanding. My dad definitely found a key. And it's a key, this is the crazy bit, it's a, cre- it's a key that many people who, who've read, he never read a Bible, I don't believe in his life, my father. Yet he became sanctified, greatly sanctified, high level of sanctification through one simple route, through daily communion. In the book of Acts, it says they met together daily for the breaking of bread, for fellowship, for instruction in the Word, daily. You see? And it's just, I'm just saying, it's something that we have lost in our day. I believe what I believe, right? And I'm sure you've got your own take on it too. I'm just saying, I think we've lost the grip on this and you need to get it back into your heart and into your home and into your family. It's a place of intimacy, a place of deliverance, a place of healing, a place of prosperity, a place of strength. And in Luke 24, if you want to turn there, it's a place of revelation. Luke chapter 24, And verse 30. It's the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24 and verse 30. And you can read all the rest of it at another time. But Jesus is walking along the road to Emmaus with the the two guys. And in verse 30 it says this. They hadn't recognized him. They didn't know who he was. And it says this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then... Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Do you see that? In another version, and I I prefer it to the NIV actually, it says this. It says their eyes were opened at the breaking of the bread. Their eyes were opened at the breaking of the bread. How's your Bible reading? When you are at home and you're doing your your, your, your quiet time and you're opening the scriptures, tell me, how's your Bible reading? Is it alive to you? Is it a chore that you don't seem to get anything out of? Their eyes were opened at the breaking of the bread. So before you read your Bible, why don't you have communion? Alone, you, just you and God, have communion at home. You need to get bread and and some form of juice. Sometimes I've had to use water because we ran out of anything, you know, representing wine. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're reaching to God, right? And to, to, to find Him and to bring Him and to honor the covenant. Why not break bread if you're struggling in that area before you read? That your eyes too would be opened at the breaking of the bread and the word would come live to you also. Amen? It's a practical thing. Often I find if we haven't got stuff, I went out and got a communion that I take on when I go away because I travel. We were having communion, you know, in our house all the time and then I go away and all of a sudden, you know, you get to a hotel or something and you haven't got anything. Well, that's, you know, you need to plan those things. And a simple little practical thing, like not having bread in or something like that, actually stops people. I'm I'm serious. It will stop you. Oh, I won't bother. Go and get yourself. 
a box of matzah. You can get them in Asda or whatever. Go and get a box of, uh, of matzah. Go and get a bottle of juice that you reserve in your cupboard and have it at home. Don't be fooled, don't be silly that for the sake of something as practical as that, you don't establish this in your home. It's a place of intimacy that Christ established and he wants you back in it. It's a place of deliverance, a place of healing, prosperity, a place of strength and a place of revelation. I was invited in Dublin to a family get-together. It was a big family tree and they were all getting together and they asked me if I would come and, and do communion and there were some lost people in that group and I knew there were. And I sort of preached the gospel and explained to them that, you know, Christ was trying to get to them. And I remember as the circle was all, all, all in a big circle and I was very conscious of two people and I knew they were lost. And as I picked up the matzah and I was explaining about Christ, as I picked up that matzah and I broke that thing, you could see the, oh, the very two people move. They were moved. Their eyes were opened. I believe their eyes were opened at the breaking of the bread. Hallelujah. See, this really is an evangelistic thing. I told them, you repent. You repent. Repent right now. Now. Repent now and then receive communion. You don't have to let it pass by. How long is communion going to pass you by? How long are you going to sit there like that? Repent. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent right now and receive communion. Come back into the body. Amen? So it's a place of strength. It's a place of revelation. And lastly, if you look at, back to the book of Revelation, there are two references to communion in the book of Revelation. The first one was to the church in Ephesus. And the second one was the end times church, in my opinion, to the church in Laodicea. And that's in chapter 3 and verse 20. Chapter 3 and verse 20. It's a famous, famous, famous scripture. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Come in and drink with him and, 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 and sup with him, it says in some versions. Now look, this is the end times church. And Christ is back and he's knocking on the door of the church. And what does he say? I want to come in and I want to eat and drink with you. Now, we haven't had the second coming yet. He's not back on earth yet. This is prior to that. And here he is. Now tell me, this morning in this place, how is Christ going to possibly eat and drink with you? How? He's knocking on the door of the Laodicean church, the end times church, just as he knocked on the door of the early church. In both instances, it was the same problem. They had trivialized the very first thing that I put in place. The power of the cross, the covenant reminder. You've disrespected it, haven't you? And so he's back saying the same thing. Let me in to my church. Praise God. Thank you for watching today's program. I hope you have been blessed and edified by what you've seen and heard. Folks, you can see how important it is for the teaching of God's Word to get out to the nations. I want to invite you to do something very significant for your life.
and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. You can go to our website there where you'll find a way in which you can join up with us and partner with us to take these essential teachings, essential truths out to the nations of the world. Thank you for watching and God bless you.